This is Nerd Podcast Radio, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. Check out and support us on Patreon for tons of content, including a bonus episode for each episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, the best way to do that is our Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page, where we share all sorts of nerdy stuff. You can also find us on Instagram, at Nerd Podcast Radio, and on Twitter, at Nerdcast Radio. Don't forget to review us on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you use. Reviews are important as they help our podcast grow. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. I'm your host, Super Vegan Brian, and I am joined by David the Toothpick. Hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting smoother. It's getting smoother. Courtesy Smurferica. Hola. Hindu Anthony. What's up, Buttercup? Back with a vengeance. And we have a very special guest today. It, this was totally unplanned. We are joined by um, professional game developer for Paizo and all sorts of, and all sorts of cool stuff, um, Jason Tondro. Welcome. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. Oh. I, we, we, you know, we went through a journey. We were unexpected today, and it was, it's so cool to have you on. Um, why don't you introduce yourself for the listeners, please? Yeah, for sure. It's an absolute pleasure. Well, uh, yeah, my name is Jason Tondro. I am a developer at Paizo. I work on the Starfinder line, and I'm a, I work on the Adventure Paths. Uh, I did the Fly Free or Die Adventure Path uh, for Starfinder, which is still coming out. I think volume five comes out this month or something. Um, and, uh, and I'm also developing our new module line, which is uh, self-contained single adventures, Junkers Delight, and the next one, Liberation of Locust One, that I think, I think just got announced, well, sort of stealth announced this week. Um, and I've written for Pathfinder uh, and Starfinder over the years. Um, I wrote... Um, the Show Must Go On, which is the first volume of the Extinction Curse Adventure Path. I'm writing my second Pathfinder Adventure Path volume right now, but it's not announced, so I can't tell you what it's called. Um, uh, and, quick, uh, quick unrelated question. What's it called? I can't tell you. <laughs> that, was, that was actually very smooth, though. Like, All right, I fine, fine, fine. You can tell us later. Yeah, I like the way you just kind of flung that right back at me. Anyway, um, and I contributed to a bunch of other stuff over the years. Um, before I came to Paizo, I was an English professor. I taught medieval and Renaissance literature, Beowulf, Shakespeare, Chaucer, all the dead white dudes. Um, and, uh, and I also taught comic books and film. I wrote a book on King Arthur and comic books called uh, Superheroes of the Round Table. Uh, and uh, yeah, and so I, I'm, a, I'm a lit guy with one hand and, um, and a professional nerd with the other. Oh my gosh, I'm I am filling my notes with other episode ideas because oh. oh, I know I I love mythology. I'm like listening. I'm like, tell me more. 
And I will. Never ask, <laughs> never ask a grad student about a dissertation. Number one rule. <laughs> they will tell you. One thing away from this night, it should be that rule. <laughs> fun, fun facts, fun related facts for any of you out there who are like really into reading journals and like um, and basically things like he did like dissertations. But you're like, oh, my God, I don't want to pay $50 to subscribe to this journal. Yeah. If you just email the person who wrote the journal, nine yeah. times out of ten, they'll be like, here, take it for free. They're like. I, I want you to read it. it. That's very true. Like you, you can tell we, we write, you know, in academia, we have to sort of publish or perish and we have to, we're constantly writing articles and writing books and stuff. And we have to do that because we only get promoted if we do, but we do it all for free. Like we don't get paid anything most of the time for any of these stuff that we write. I think my, for my book, I get like pizza money, like one, once a night, every year I get a check from my publisher that's usually around 20 or 30 bucks. And I buy a pizza with it. I'm not kidding. <laughs> but so he's right. And he's totally right. Like, uh, but in addition, there's an increasing way of getting these articles and reading them for free, um, which is really great. Like there's more and more people realizing the whole kind of academic publishing thing is really broken. But anyway, yeah, Anthony, you're right. So, you know, it's not a coincidence that we have a developer for Paizo on the show because we were looking for someone who we could talk about um, Pathfinder second edition, tabletop role playing, all that cool stuff. And we got a great guest for that. Um, but first. But first, we're going to play everyone's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You, where everybody talks about the nerdiest thing they've done in the last two weeks. And we vote using the patented Mike Myler widget system. And we will explain Mike Myler's convoluted scoring system. <laughs> I must say, Brian, that recording get gets better end. and better every time you play it. <laughs> Not that convoluted. Uh, it, we, we call it the, we had a game developer on the show once and he decided our voting system wasn't complicated enough. <laughs> I know uh, Mike. I know Mike. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. So yeah, you get it. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, because you are our guest, Jason, um, yeah. we get to slam you first and just say, hey, what's been nerdy with you? So I got a PS5. Oh, oh no, you were the second person today to tell me that. Oh, my God. <laughs> but so what? So like there's like a Twitter like. There's a bunch of Twitter accounts that just do PS5 alerts. Oh, like, yeah. like they just tell you when the new one is that when when GameStop has them. And I did that. And and for weeks I was trying to log in and buy one and I was getting nowhere. Um, but bundles are a little bit easier to get, right? Because people don't want to buy the bundle. Oh. Right. So I got but I got a great bundle. I got like the Spider-Man game, right? Like the Miles Morales game. And I had to buy an extra controller, yeah, right? Not the end of the I, world. I, I Anyway, I try. Exactly. I have the same thing. I find the Twitter things, and and every time I log on, it's like gone. I'm like, yeah. Sorry, I'm just second person, literally today, to tell me <laughs> they got a PS5. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> okay. I would be the same way. I'd be like, yeah, I got one, but I no, like I, the, I don't. I feel like the only gamer bro who's like, I don't really want a PS5. Like, I, I just, I just, I, I just don't care. Well, Anthony, you're not okay. the only one, wrong. Anthony. You're yeah. not the only Both one. Both of you are just wrong. I got a PS4 that's not even plugged in. What the hell is wrong with a PS5? And I have a P and I have a PC that outperforms a PS5. Exactly. Anthony, you less. have always been PC master race since the first episode of this show. Yeah, I'm straight. Oh, and, I, and, and, 
I would have a P. I, I, I need a new PC, and I've been thinking about it for a long time, but I have to get somebody to help me build it, and there's a quarantine on, and like, you know, there's just kinds of... Well, so just, you're, you're, you're in luck. I'm not that mind. far away. Oh, yeah? Where are I'm you? In, I'm in Southern California. I live in Torrance. Oh, no, no. I'm not in California anymore. Oh, okay. I, I work at Paizo. We're, we all have to live in Seattle. Right. Like, never mind. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Brian's yeah, closest. I, yeah, yeah Brian's I'm in Portland. Closest. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, he does uh, IT too. Before before the pandemic, <laughs> we were actually going up to Pizacon, but um, sure. we we may have rubbed shoulders there at one point. I'm sure we have. Yeah. Sure. Um, the so a, a few like back in December, we had an episode where that everyone nerdy thing and Erica was talking about getting a PS5, and she actually researched writing a bot to help her buy one. <laughs> and I found out it was too complicated. Oh my god, that's funny. Yeah. So the fact that you got one crushes her soul a bit. And, I, <laughs> and being that she's my sister, I'm all about crushing her soul. So you probably got some votes <laughs> from me. So, so, I love um, you as well. David, what about you? Um, my WoW Guild, we killed Sire Denethrys finally, so yay! We beat Castle Adorable! Now we're four bosses in Heroic, so... Okay, none of that. I, I didn't get any of that. It sounded like a foreign language. What? Uh, yes, it was a foreign language. What were you saying? My World of Warcraft Guild, okay. uh, we, we raid, and uh, we, we have completed normal the normal raid. We killed all the bosses, including the big bad guy. So, and now we're doing it again. We started on Heroic, and we're okay. four deep. So. You said WoW Guild so fast. I thought you said Wear Guild. So I thought you were paying some other clan for an unruly death. Yeah, yeah. That can, yeah. That, that, that can cost you a lot of money. I could have sworn you said Wear Guild, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I just want to know, like, I taught Beowulf more times than I can count, so I'm all into the Wear Guild. I, that, I like that version better. Like, uh, we should do that. <laughs> I, I heard you, David. It made sense to me. Thank you. Well, congratulations. See, she, I get. She gets me. <laughs> she gets me. She gets nice, me. Nice, nice. Uh, that's pretty much the only real extra nerdy thing I've been doing. Otherwise, it's work, sleep, work, sleep. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, after me, we're gonna shoot it to Anthony. What's nerdy with you, my friend? Okay, guys. Speaking of PC Master Race and gaming, because it seems to be what what we're doing. I've been playing this hot newness, okay? Valheim, okay? If you got a PC, you've got to try Valheim. It's very amazing. It's very fun. You play as a Viking, and you go around, you Viking well, shit up. I don't up. know if it's a Valheim. It's, oh, it's that and, new hotness, huh? And you, so this is an indie game that was made by five people, and it's already sold over, it's already sold over 5.4 million copies in like a month. Um, so it, every other video on TikTok is someone playing Valheim. Right oh, it's now. very popular right now. Oh, is that what um, that is? Okay, yeah. it's got it's got some pretty um, awesome like uh, physics based engines in it, and a really cool building mechanic. Uh, really cool building mechanics that actually require like structures and support beams. Like so, the um, the the building of the of the uh, structures you may get really complicated. So I have two stories. They're very short, I promise. It's equal to my They're one large short, nerdy. Let me get my timer yeah. out. Hold Here on. Here we go. Here we go. So the first one. <laughs> All right, I spent, go. I finished this week my my giant gothic slash Viking style castle in the swamp. Nice. And last night I went sea serpent hunting 
But I'm sitting there going, I can't just go sea serpent hunting listening to the game music. So I started playing sea shanties on my phone. So I'm hunting sea serpents in my Viking longship to the sound of sea shanties. <laughs> and my girlfriend's <laughs> over there playing WoW, and she just shakes her head. She's just like, yep, I know who I'm with. So, yep, there we go. That's what I did. I finished, I finished my gothic Viking castle, and I went sea serpent hunt, hunting to the sound of sea shanties. Well played. Well played. Yeah, that's good. Like, since Anthony's not going to ask, uh, Erica, what's nerdy with you? I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> late he's, now. He's that's super what you rusty. Did for not being around for a while. God damn it! You don't even know how to do this anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um I uh, trapped my players in a fell fey realm tonight. It was fabulous. That was the only thing that I knew I it. <laughs> called that shit yeah i uh i'm running a a, a game and uh they ate the fey food and are trapped in the fey realm oh so. my god the first thing i was gonna say was i hope they didn't eat anything did. you know what oh, yeah. <laughs> i knew it my character didn't <laughs> Damn it! Kind of a good role player there, right? Where like your your character doesn't know what the player knows. I even told them I really don't want to go in there, but let's go. What what game is this? Tell, what are you talking about? Um, so we're playing uh Waterdeep. Yeah, Dragon yeah. Heist, the uh, yeah, Dragon Heist. adventure. Yep, and uh, I uh, added some of my own side quests in uh in the second chapter because as you do as all gms do exactly you're supposed to because there wasn't enough fleshed out in the second chapter like it just wasn't really fleshed out and i got where they were going with it and that was great but i wanted to add some more stuff and they fell right into it hook line and sinker (laughs) they found a uh, beautiful fancy inn at the end of a road on the uh win inside and ate all this delicious food for free and then woke up and the the inn was gone and they were sleeping on the ground and then they walked onto the trail. It's the Hotel California, man. You can check out, but you never leave. That's I'm not right. happy about it, but I <laughs> fucking called it. <laughs> but yeah. I made a promise to Erica that I wasn't going to metagame and I'm That's not going right. to metagame. So, <laughs> so God damn it, let's go. <laughs> so you're, you're right. You're right, though, about adventures. Like, I've been reading a lot of... I've been reading all of the 5e adventures as they come out, right? Like, mm-hmm. Ross Maiden was the last one that I read. And it's really interesting how, like, some parts of it I'll really love, and mm-hmm. other parts just kind of really fall flat or seem yeah. like... Yeah. You know? And, and having now made a bunch of adventures like that from the other end, I understand how those things happen, right? Yeah. I understand yeah. how, like... Maybe it's a time schedule thing, or maybe too many hands in the pot, or you know, I I find that it's the mark of a good GM where they can find those lulls in a written adventure, yeah. and that's where you inject your own flavor into it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and as a guy who makes these adventures, we want you to do that. We we I, hell yeah, that's half the fun. No, some people are, some people have apologized to me, and they're like. I'm sorry that I changed this part of the adventure when I ran it. I'm like, oh, man. dude, like, that's a, do that. Do more of that thing. Uh, <laughs> when I ran a group through there, they ended up working for the Halfling Mafia. So. 
<laughs> nice. Oh, that's awesome. That's so fun. Yeah, there is no halfling mafia. I had to make one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Brian, uh, what did uh, what was nerdy with you? Well, right now I looked at Anthony's pictures of his Valheim stuff, and his Gothic castle is actually pretty impressive. He he shared <laughs> he shared pictures in the chat. Um, I, but my actual nerdy thing is, so I've been playing um, Pathfinder 2e game every other week, um, and it is um, run by our friend Anna Meyer, fantasy cartographer Anna Meyer, and it is a zero level using a modified zero version of the zero level rules from the game mastery guide. And we all play teenagers in the world of Greyhawk. Oh, nice. And um, Adam Meyer is um, famous in the Greyhawk community for making a Greyhawk Atlas PDF for free, like a big epic one that she's even worked with some of the original font designers on the map. Wow. And Ooh. one of the great things about gameplay. Can you see it? Because that's what I have literally above I my I was going to ask you if that was a Greyhawk map. That's the Greyhawk map. That's the Darlene map, yeah. Yeah, um, Darlene is the one she worked with to do the oh, yeah. to redo the fonts. Yeah, good. Oh, is that the one that Anna made? No, this is the original map. That's the original Darlene map. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Wow. Um, wow. But well one of the things that she did <laughs> with her maps is she did, in addition to doing everything rendered in the original kind of Greyhawk look, yeah. she yeah. also created all the maps in um, World Generator. So we're able to see a top-down view and then zoom in and see 3D views of wherever we are. And it's amazing. Oh, it's man. absolutely amazing. Um, the maps are some of the best maps I've ever seen. Um, but Zero Level's been quite fun. She made the skill gaining system for Zero Level characters much more granular. So we're gonna be at Zero Level for like an entire year of gameplay. Oh, Damn. wow. Yeah, it's... It's going to be a while before we hit first level, um, but because of God, that, I wanted to play in that game. <laughs> we're like we're like six games in and haven't had a single combat. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we have had had one initiative. <laughs> Nobody actually fought anything. Um, it was lots of like um, my character decided that it would be really great because there was a Vrock there. <laughs> Um, and I mean, our characters didn't know of rock was of rock. We just knew it was a 12 foot tall demon. Yeah. Um, I can't think of the guy's name, but the demonologist that's been in our village is from I is the evil is from the book, the original supplement. So he's this powerful demonologist that works for the old one. And it, we did things like we were setting fires in the village on the other side of the village to distract the group so we could rescue prisoners without actually having to fight anything. I love that low-level gameplay yeah, where yeah. you try to think like, all right, how do we do anything without fighting? Because if we <laughs> fight, we're just going to die right away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, are you guys playing like Peasant the Simulator? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Um, more work? I mean, we've gotten to the point where we have some class abilities. Like, I have one spell. I have Detect Magic. Nice. Um, <laughs> I'm trained in a couple of skills. They're all knowledge-based. Uh, we have nobody who pushed for Charisma. Yeah. Um, oh, that's going to be fun. Oh, it's... Well, it'll be fine once we hit first level because she modified the rules. So everybody starts with base 8 instead of base 10. Okay. 
and we don't get as many boosts as you normally would get. Okay. So, like, we don't get background wow, books. She's going for a real realism yeah. uh, approach here. This is interesting. We don't get any background boosts. We actually have to work through building our background. So all our backgrounds are custom backgrounds. We don't have, like, Damn. a named background. Yeah. Um, it, That's a lot of work. She's putting in a lot of effort on this. It's one. also really hard to start learning a skill. If you're, like, trying to learn something and you don't have a teacher, you have to roll a d20 add your ability to that skill for it and you have to beat an 18. Okay. So you're probably trying over and over and over again before you even get one learning point and you have to get 10 learning points to get trained in a skill. Oh my wow. God. Yeah. It's going to take forever, but it's been a lot of fun. It, when, we're just, life. when we're just <laughs> focused on having downtime, we have two attempts a day. The problem is, is most of our players aren't, satisfied with just sitting there doing downtime and they want to mess with stuff. Yeah. So we end up doing little adventures in the town instead of just training. It, I did a, I did a campaign. You guys know Ars Magica at all? Old RPG. Fun. I was just reading a thing on it the other day. It's heard it's, of it. I haven't played it, but I've heard of it. People yeah. who, who were into it. That was a, that was, that was one of the, the Lisa Paizo uh, from Lisa. What's her name? I can't think of <laughs> Yeah, Lee Stevens. Um, she was part of the original development of that. Yeah, well, so was uh, Jonathan Tweet. Yeah. And Mark Reinhagen. Uh, so Mark Reinhagen and Jonathan Tweet created Ars Magica. Lisa worked at the company at the time and helped create it and was part of that team. And of course, Lisa ended up owning my company, the company that I work for. So, but anyway, um, I ran an Ars Magica game that went 15 game sessions where everybody played Apprentice Wizards. And so it was kind of like, <laughs> kind of like what you're doing with it. So they were apprentices for about four months, right? Where we played every week for about four months. Nice. But there was a year of downtime basically between every game session. So there oh, wow. okay. lasted 15 years in character and they aged one year every game session. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but, it, but it's different than what you're talking about because even an apprentice wizard in Ars Magica can do some pretty powerful stuff you know one of the what, interesting things about ours magic system is that you're you do these like the it everyone's effects can be different you can end up seeing yeah. unique effects in the game that were never really thought of by a game designer yeah it's a noun verb spell casting yeah system, right? oh so nice you, okay I, I have five verbs and i have 10 nouns and every spell is a combination of those things so you can that's do very, awesome yeah that's, right. I, that's an interesting idea i like that well, Jonathan Tweet, I mean, he helped, you know, they, they created this back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of other games have done it since. It's, it's a weird game because in many ways it's very retro still. It's kind of got like its feet very firmly planted in three decades ago. Right. But on the other hand, it also was looking very forward. So you can, for example, you take these flaws for your character and you can pick a story flaw, which basically tells the GM what kind of adventures you want to have, right? Like I want to be the guy who's, got a family that's always calling on them to do stuff, right? Or I've got the person with an enemy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's got some very storytelling-based narrative kind of gameplay elements in it, but in many ways it's kind of a math exercise still. So not for Gotcha. So we are on to voting. There were some nice contenders for nerdy things. We all hate Jason a little bit right now, so I don't know <laughs> if we're going to be voting for him too much. But um, the way this works is... Since there are five of us, 
we each get six of what are called widgets and you decide who gets how many widgets and why and you, you talk about it and you just that's it so you basically decide which ones you like the best which ones you thought were the most nerdy and you give people widgets based on that you can give widgets to yourself but we are 100 percent allowed to judge you for it uh you're right mike invented a very complex system <laughs> yes he did <laughs> Hmm. Oh, there are also negative widgets in case uh, somebody is winning and you don't want them to You're win. You're not supposed you to tell people about the negative widgets. <laughs> the negative widgets are supposed to be things the host can use as a secret weapon. Look, you don't there's have a hidden reveal. menu, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Those... Well, I like Jason, and I'm going to tell him that there are negative widgets. <laughs> There's also animal-style fries, but they only come into play one time of the year. Yeah, the time I make it out to California. <laughs> I, have, I get to have those whenever I want. <laughs> so, Jason, you have six widgets. Who do you want to give them to? And why? Well, I, I love this, like apprentice game that you're playing this zero level game i i um i would love to get into this thing like that and i i just admire i what i find fast i have a million questions for you like the fact that it's set in greyhawk but you're using pathfinder second edition so many questions so i'm just going to give you all six and make it easy and, and so that sounds like a bonus episode topic. Wow. that <laughs> is the first time a guest has ever dumped all their widgets on me and i am really <laughs> happy about it <laughs> yeah, he's making it rain on you, Brian. Awesome. Making it rain. Oh wow! I feel so special, David. Um, you have six widgets. Who do you give them to? Well, Remember, I got to give I'm Jason two of them because PS Five. I have to give Erica two of them because she's my GM. Uh, I will then give uh, Anthony one, and mm, I'll give Brian the other one just to be democratic about it. Steve, Erica was my GM. I'd have given her some too. Yeah, smart. Got to keep the GM happy. Yeah, you're right. Um, Anthony, you have six. Who do you give them to? So I'm going to give two to Jason, just to spite Erica. <laughs> <laughs> there. He's not playing in the game. So fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, David, I'll give you one because hey, I'm, very, I'm very proud of I'm very proud of you. Um, my girlfriend, I think she paid people to run to have her help her finish heroic last boss. Oh, nice. Um, Eric, I'll give you one too. You know, I like I like a good GM. I like a good I like a good face story. Okay, so I got two left. Brian, you get the other two because I mean he's gonna dude, win. I, I come on, but, well come on, that's a cool game. What are you doing? It's so All cool. All right, fine. The only, the only way Brian could lose is if is if um oh, I'm drawing a blank on her name right now. Erica gives all no. of hers to Jason. No, 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 no. The DM, the DM running the game for Brian. Oh, Anna. Anna? Yeah, if Anna was here, she'd she'd win. Oh yeah, she she's the one. Wins. She well, because she's yeah, the one running. Anna always wins. She always wins. It doesn't matter what she's here for. <laughs> she you is what? true. She has Brian, won every time. She has never lost. <laughs> Brian, I demand, I demand you give my widgets to her, okay? Because she's the one do, running this madness. So those widgets are borrowed. You give them to her. All right, sure, I'll do that. They're earmarked. <laughs> All right, um, I'm gonna give. All my widgets to Jason because I'm jealous and I want to yes! five. <laughs> <laughs> now, Eric, has, now, now Brian has to prove that he is a terrible, terrible human being if he wants to win. Um, I'm going to give Jason my negative widget, taking oh. him down to nine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
then I'm going to give the rest to Erica. Um, so um, that ties me and Jason. Uh, I give because... Brian my negative one. <laughs> yeah, it was your turn already. You're done. I know, I know. <laughs> I sense a thumb on the scale here. I see how this system works. It's open to gross exploitation. I love it. Oh, Apparently... you should... Now, we, we, you know what? It, my favorite is when someone who's not here wins. Yeah. It happens oh, yeah. all the time. <laughs> Uh, for a, for a while there, I was getting to I was getting to use uh, Michael's Michael's widgets because he wasn't here. So for you prize, you get you get the sum total of all the widgets usually, but since it's a tie, you're gonna you're gonna um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna put the widgets in a battle arena and they're gonna fight to the death. <laughs> and whoever's widgets win, then you'll get the rest of the widgets. The ones that survive. Yes. Yeah, they um they will be yeah and you know to make it more interesting we will deck out your widgets in Starfinder gear and my <laughs> widgets in Pathfinder gear. Um no question. That's not even a contest. The the Pathfinder damage scores are much higher than Path than Starfinder so I think you'll probably win. But we'll see. But yeah. if you think about it, Pathfinder they're swinging swords, Starfinder they're wearing, you know, powered armor. It's true, but but mechanically they're almost identical. <laughs> so I want to start off this so the you know, Jason, you're a guest. I yeah. want to ask you, um, so we're talking, I mean, our main topic is Pathfinder 2E, but we're going all over the place because I know <laughs> everyone's experience with Pathfinder 2E is different here. Um, but the thing I want to ask you is, um, which game system is the most fun to develop for? Well. And why? <laughs> <laughs> now, I haven't done a lot of, I haven't done any Pathfinder development yet. Or right? write for, but yeah. I've, I, I've got, but I've gotten to write for it and it's very exciting. I, I love, I was an editor at Paizo for two years before I moved over to the Starfinder team. The Star Chamber is what we call ourselves. Um, and I, I picked Starfinder over Pathfinder. Like the, I could have waited for an opening on the Pathfinder team. Right, I could have gone to like the organized play or something like that, mm -hmm. but I went to Starfinder instead, and I did that because Starfinder is new and it doesn't have a lot of the baggage and the background. It doesn't have ten years worth of lore that Pathfinder has, and to me that was a plus. I, I wanted to get into this new setting where we could create our new stuff and and you know adventures. The adventure path line, Ron Lundin talked to me about this when I first came on. The adventure path line is where the stories get told, right? Like making the hardbacks is super fun, but if you want to tell the cool stories, you make adventures. And so I get to do that in Starfinder and I get to say things, I'm, which we also do in Pathfinder, but I get to do it in Starfinder, so I'm, I'm going to stick with my, my guns here. But I'm one of those guys that thinks that gaming can actually have a point like you, you, you're not just fighting monsters and taking their stuff. Like you can make a story that's saying something important about life and the human condition, especially like, look at all, look around, like look, look around you in the last year, right? How many of us, if I didn't have my weekly online games, I would go insane. I completely I, agree. How, how would we make it? Right. And then, so not only do we, we use these games to keep ourselves socially alive in this year of isolation, but also we get to say really interesting things about them. Fly for your die, my first adventure path at Starfinder, 
is a story about working class people who aren't trying to save the galaxy. They're just trying to pay rent, right? And, and it's about ordinary people that just their goal, they have one goal, which is to get everybody else in the galaxy to leave them the fuck alone, right? Like, just, <laughs> I just want to do my stuff, man. But everybody else in the galaxy keeps getting up in their grill. And, and, and I wanted to write a story about people that we could all identify with, right? Like, so if, and if you, if you were like me and you thought that Han Solo was the best part of Star Wars, right? Or you wanted to, you know, you want, you were like the Firefly kind of gang rather than the Star Trek kind of gang, then Fly Fear dies where we get to do that kind of story. And so this is a very long answer, very long winded answer to your question. But, but I, I love working on Starfinder because I get to, say things that are relevant to the world we live in and i get to make something that people play and enjoy and um it's i'm incredibly lucky to get to do what i do i wouldn't trade it for anything jason i think i think you're my new crush (laughs) 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 who's gonna tell odin I know. I, hey, know so I, I will. I, I, I love Odin too, but I mean, if his name is Odin, I'm not messing with that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just take a step back. He, he, he's developing stories for a oh, role playing game that tells something about the human condition. If that was like, that is. It's amazing. That's a dream job. That is something that is just, you know, you get to, to, I mean, I, I, we won't go on a political rant here, but I very much am informed and care about the world around me and I have concerns and I have feelings about it. And if I had an outlet like that to be able to tell stories, to put issues out there in a way that was engaging and fun for people, I mean, kudos that is fucking amazing my my dad was a union guy right like he worked in a sheet metal shop his my entire life and and it was a good job and he put he he he, we had there were five of us kids right and and those jobs are really hard to find anymore right And, and 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 this this ap is for him right like this is a story about working people and I listened to, you don't want to know how much Bruce Springsteen I listened to making this AP. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, like I'm, I'm right there with you, Erica. Like that's exactly what this is about. I love it. I love it. All right, Jason, you get to ask oh, David. David yes. something. <laughs> well, so, so David, so before the show, our pre-conversation, before the show started, you were talking mm-hmm. about, were you in Long Beach? Is that right? Yes. Um, uh, my friend Grant and I, uh, we noticed that we we just got into Pathfinder Society back 10 years ago or so, right after it had been introduced at Strategicon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian was actually my first GM. He GM the first game of Pathfinder I ever played. Oh, shit. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, that's how we met. Yep. I know Strategicon. I've been there many times. I go every, I go every time. Yeah. I've been doing it for almost 20 years now. I think OrcCon was my first convention. Okay. Many, many years ago, back in the late yeah. 80s. Yeah. I've been going for about 20 years now. So. Yeah, right <laughs> but, Last uh, time I was in Long Beach was, I think I went to the Titanic exhibit. It was, oh, very uh, cool. At okay. the Queen Mary, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, anyways, yeah. So uh, we noticed that the only games around that weren't at the convention were in Pasadena. 
which for anyone that lives in Los Angeles, uh, Long Beach and Pasadena are on opposite sides of the greater metropolitan area. <laughs> Not an easy trek to make. No, very time consuming, especially when traffic is involved. Yeah. So um, we decided that we were going to make our own with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> so, uh, we <laughs> which is exactly what we did we found a game store in long beach of uh, the warhouse and uh it's a very small space but we crammed at, uh, at our height we crammed uh, uh three tables in there every week fantastic and uh yeah it was great we did that for almost a straight year and a half and then we passed the reins on to somebody else i actually passed it to john at first and he gave it to somebody else and then uh we just started rolling, and now I, I I only play Pathfinder now pretty much when I'm going to the conventions. But yeah, yeah, I've been doing a lot of a lot more Fifth Ed lately. Sure, yeah. Well, it's a great game. It really is, and and yeah. So it's just it's so yeah. That's that's my Pathfinder experience. I've been playing for about ten years or so. The, it had just come out. Yeah. When when I first started, so I, I think uh, the first game was what it was a season one. Yep. It was Ice Fur Captives, if memory serves. The little no, goblins. That yeah, was the game time. I ran. Yeah. You're, you're, you're way before my time, right? Okay. Before, you before, were... I, before I got hired at Paizo, I had mm. played Pathfinder precisely once. Oh, nice. Uh, and there's a lesson <laughs> there. <laughs> which is that gaming companies don't need you to know their game. Right. They need you to know, like, gaming, right? Mm -hmm. You can learn the specifics once oh, yeah. you get there. Oh, I started back in the Thacko days. So oh, yeah. Well, okay. Well, if we I'm I'm older than all you guys. Absolutely, so, but that doesn't mean anything. If we compare, if we compare, my my first game was basic set D and D before the Red Box. Oh, like when, when Elf was a class. When Elf was a class. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. Yeah, I wasn't born then. You're right. Uh, I'm. <laughs> Neither was I. <laughs> uh, I can feel that crush melting right now. Like right, no, right here. Age is nothing but a number. It's all right. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Welcome back, wow. Anthony. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. All right, um, Anthony. I know you've got a really good answer for this. Um, oh no! What class do you most enjoy playing, and why? Oh, that's a hard one. Hmm. Like, like the overall. crotch cleric. Ah! That was fun, but I, All I right, let, let, let me let, let, let me rephrase that. Whenever someone says, "I want you to play in my game," what is the first class that comes to mind that you think you want to play? Can I hijack Anthony before he answers the question and tell uh -oh. the crotch cleric story? Because I want to tell the crotch cleric story. Yeah, I, I was going to rewind. Okay, or should I tell it? No, I, no, uh, Brian can tell it. Oh, jeez. I, I will just story. say this. I, I Anthony yeah. can elaborate on it, but it's basically cleric with um, holy birthmark trait, and she go. He goes, "Can I put it anywhere?" Jesus, that's that's pretty much the story. And it was a girl that wore dresses, and she would she would lift the dress when she had to present her holy symbol. That's awful. She yeah. she was um she was a she was a holy cleric of Kalistra, so, now, so she was a holy prostitute. If I simplify the story to that, it's oh my awful. Gosh. 
But <laughs> Anthony wrote a 10-page backstory for this character that's actually yeah. really touching. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead, Anthony. <laughs> I wrote a lot of backstories. Um, wait, should I go back to answering the question or just elaborating on the story? I want you Let's to elaborate, elaborate on, on the story part. first. Now, now, having heard this part of the story, <laughs> I'd like to skip ahead, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, answer the question, sir. Um, okay, so that's a really hard one because I've, I've never... I've never like played like multiples of the same class because of like I've played, I've played um, I've played a um, a magus. I've played a sorcerer. I've played paladin. I've played cleric. I've played bards. I've played wizard. Like I've played almost all the classes. Right, but gun to your head, you had to pick one. Pick one. One he hasn't played yet. I think he just answered your question. Fair enough. <laughs> right. So what haven't you played yet? Uh, <laughs> gunslinger. I don't think I played. I don't think I played like hunter. Or a ranger, I mean. I don't think I've played monk. Monk, yeah, I haven't uh, played a monk. Monk is fun. I haven't I mean, played monk, a monk yet. Depending on what system you're in, monk is broken. <laughs> My very first advanced D D character was a monk. Nice. Oh, nice. First edition, yeah. On delay the quiet. Uh, for me, yeah. every time I start a new a new uh, a new game system, uh, the first character I have to make is a paladin. But if you were to ask me, like, hey, Anthony, what class would you be? I think I'd be a wizard. You know. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah, um, my last character that I was playing was in my fifth edition game. I haven't played that game in a while. I was playing as a uh, a a necromancer pirate, nice. oh, so that he could so that so that he could have a a skeleton crew. Ah. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Between you and the dad jokes, the last call I was in, man. <laughs> um, I guess I'll ask the next question hmm, erica what should i ask you hmm. the answer is yes erica what is your favorite gaming system of like all of them like D, pathfinder does, whatever edition doesn't matter what edition just favorite game system and why and why Jeez, brian don't even let me finish um <laughs> it would have to be 3.5 uh yeah yeah 3.5 is my favorite um I've been playing for a long time. I started playing um, when I was like nine with my dad because my dad played. And um, over the years, I've played a lot of different editions, um, a lot of different, you know, games in general, you know. And, I mean, we played the Star Wars, 3.5. I mean, just all, all sorts. But 3.5, I think, is where my heart is. For me, there was... Um, one of my favorite books is the Book of Vile Darkness. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> you know, saying, you know. Um, I I don't know. It just uh, it was also where I played my favorite character that I've ever played as well, a lawful evil monk. Actually, that that's the root of it. It, it has nothing to do with the game <laughs> mechanics or the system. It's all about. That's the game where I played my favorite character. That's mm. yeah. what that's where my yeah, that's why. Mm. That's why yeah. yeah, that's where well, you know, because there there were so many things. She was a shadow dancer as yeah. well. So I mean it it was it was just there were so many options and they all kind of um, you know, you were able to blend them in a way that made everything unique, which is great for people that uh, you know, have played a long time, right? But when somebody's new Yep. And you throw too many options at them, right. it becomes overwhelming. Yeah, like, book book bloat is real. <laughs> yeah, or if like um, 
you know, like three five had book bloat. (laughs) Yeah, it did. It had a lot, but there was there was a lot you could pull from. And as an experienced gamer, that was great. Yes. Yeah. But for somebody who's running into it new, like you were saying, like all this lore on Pathfinder, right? Like, like when I was introduced to Pathfinder, I was initially pretty overwhelmed because I knew 3.5. I knew 3.5 very well. And now I've got to learn not only a new system, which was very similar, yet very different, you know, so things that would be a gut reaction before would have a different outcome. So you you had to learn the mechanics of it. Um, But also I had to get, familiar with new gods and you know just all this this backstory um and i enjoyed it don't get me wrong but you know like you you know where you played your favorite character that's where your heart is so i still have all my 3.5s i I actually have them all um and a bookcase in my game room i have i have an actual room just for gaming um and you know so it's it's yeah that's where that's that's my favorite. <laughs> so, Brian. Yeah. As uh, one of my favorite GMs, my question for you is, do you prefer GMing or playing? Ooh, that's a good one. Well, it depends. If I haven't GMed in a really long time, I probably am craving it. Um, I don't know. I think I'm equally split. Um, I'll talk a little bit about what I appreciate about both things. Like when I GM, I like to work with my players to create a controlling narrative. Like I like my players to be really, really part of the campaign. Like when we meet to um, plan our first game, I like to ask the players, what kind of game do you want to play? What would you like to be? Are you, do you want to play a world traveling game? Do you want to play you know, do you want to have a theme? Ask questions like that. And um, I like, and, you know, sometimes I like to run pre-published games. Sometimes I like to run sandboxy games. Sometimes I like to run, I think GMing more probably, but (laughs) if I can't play, I miss it a lot. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm kind of the same way. I love GMing, but after a while, it's nice to get to play every now and then. <laughs> like, I don't, um, I'm not GMing anything right now, but I've been planning all sorts of games. Um, like, I've been um, planning a Starfinder game for a while that involves some um, virtual um, adventuring where they're doing stuff in the infosphere virtually using virtual reality. Yeah. And I'm using the Fate system for that. Oh, nice. I, I, I wrote a whole RPG for Fate. Cool. Um, awesome. So they, when they're in the, when they're in the Starfinder reality, they're using the Starfinder system. But when they yep. use some kind of virtual reality, and you know, it depends. Like if they use different technologies, maybe they might be using Rollmaster or something like that. Nice. <laughs> That's great. It's very meta. Like the but, use like different game systems to do different. Stuff yeah, like I, I, it it dawned on me once because someone I was in a forum and someone was posting the idea about. Um, doing playing a pathfinder game and then when the player go to sleep for the first time they wake up and they were in virtual chambers playing starfinder with different characters right and i was thinking how would you do virtual as a mini game where it feels different yeah but it's not really clunky and mechanical something that could be easy to learn oh fate works great for that yeah yeah 
And if you describe things like aspects in fate, you can use um, the aspects or like actual like little attributes that you can see in your in your heads up display. Sure. Yeah. 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 So I I I like that idea a lot. We've been um, so yeah. I'm not jamming anything right now. I'm playing, but I love jamming. So I'm constantly trying to come up with new ideas. Like I I really want to run. Um, uh, live for your die. I, I love Firefly. And the only thing I imagine though, is if I ran that, it would probably start where everyone is Firefly and then it would end up being Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Smeghead. And one of the most fun playing experiences I ever had was playing the Firefly Cortex game. Oh, uh, Cortex is a lot of fun. I, I just picked up a few months ago, I picked up the new Cortex Prime, mm. book, you know, and it's really interesting. It's very toolboxy, you know, mm-hmm. it's got like a, it's got a basic system, but then there's just the whole book is filled with all these modifiers of different ways to play different yeah. rules and stuff. And I, I ran, uh, go, I'm sorry, trying to get my head kind of wrapped around all those optional rules. Like I, I don't, I want to start, a, I want to create a game and I don't know which optional rules to use because there's so many, right? Well, like, they sell a lot of uh, setting specific books. Uh, one of the yeah. first, the reason why it's called the Cortex system yeah. is it came out with Serenity, the RPG. Right. And uh, I, I played the hell out of that. Yeah. But as they added new, uh, new uh, properties to the yeah. line, they added extra options That's unique right. to those properties. So now you have access to everything. So you can pick and choose whatever you want, yeah. or you can, or you can keep with one of the pre-published yeah. uh, settings that's already set aside. You can make up everything as it goes and just use the setting. I did that for a Serenity game that I had 12 players for for like eight months. That was insane. That's too many. <laughs> it was, but it was so much fun. <laughs> so it's my turn to ask Jason a question. Sure. And I want to ask you, yes. what are some new little goodies that are coming out that you can tell us about and all the different well, Okay, so let me think about what's been announced and what hasn't. Because um, I got in trouble once before when I talked about something. We yeah, had. feel free. Take your time. Look it up. Don't, <laughs> I, we do not want. And if you make an accident, make sure to let us know because we post on Wednesday. And it's I all edit it's things all out because I, I have a good relationship with Paizo and don't want to violate anyone's NDA. <laughs> it would never be your fault. It would be my <laughs> But anyway. Yeah, but until. Um, <laughs> what's that? David, did you, I missed what you said. I said, I said until until Wednesday, we can change things. So. <laughs> All right. So, um, in, we've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, you already know that, like, the Tech Revolutions book is coming out with mech rules and the new class, the nanosite class. We we know that people love new classes, so we're trying to put more of those in hardbacks. That is not me saying that we have another class coming after the nanosite. It's just me saying that we know that that's what you want and we want to give you what you want. <laughs> um, Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the, uh, we have other books coming after Tech Revolutions that I don't think we've announced yet. I, I don't think we have. Um, then in the adventures, I, I know that better. Okay. So after Fly for Your Die finishes, we start Horizons of the Vast which is a six-volume adventure path that is basically our kingmaker in space. Ooh. People have been asking for that for a long time. As soon as we created Starfinder, people wanted a kingmaker in space. And it took us a long time to figure out how to do it. That's awesome. 
we all made different pitches on it. Because if you think about it, like you guys know Kingmaker? Yeah, I love Kingmaker. So mm-hmm. yeah. the basic idea of Kingmaker is very classic fantasy role-playing game. You go into this new territory and there's a bunch of orcs and kobolds and stuff and you basically kill everybody and take it over. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, and the Starfinder team, we don't want to do that shit. Like that's very colonialist to us. <laughs> like you go to a planet and there's already people living there and you just kill them and take their planet. And we're like, no, <laughs> we, we don't want to, that, that's a dick move. And we don't want to do that. So we, we talked about this a lot, trying to figure out how to do this. Like if, and finally we came up with a solution. So the, there's this whole new brand new star system that that's, that's been being explored and it's called the Waydana system after the God Waydan. And, and, it, all the planets of Waydana have life, but there's no sapient life, right? So there's there's animals and plants and monsters and stuff, and there's ruins of old civilizations that aren't there anymore, and maybe others that have come and visited over the years, right? But there's no, like, current civilization on any of these planets. You're an explorer, not a conqueror. Exactly. Oh, now, man, I love that. Now, That's the question great. of why is there nobody here <laughs> when their ruins are everywhere? That's the 64,000 credit question. Right? I, now there's a big mystery to solve <laughs> as well as to explore. And you want the only explorers. Like there's like half a dozen different groups that have also come out here and you all found like your own sort of governments. On that's the all, that's that's really I, that's interesting. I actually yeah. want to play so that. There's, there's like some political intrigue going on, right? And and different. It's unusual for other adventure paths in that a lot of time passes during the adventure path. Like it could be years. You got to build a whole country, right? Like that's not going to happen in six months. So there's a lot of time passing, and there's a lot of things to explore. And then there's this big mystery. And Jason Keeley, my partner on Adventure Path Design, he's the lead designer on that. I'm doing all the back matter stuff, right? So like all the articles and the monsters and all that stuff. And we're planning the next Adventure Path after that, which we have an idea for, but that's unannounced. Nice. Now, the other thing, one more thing before I, before I shut up. And I, I told you, you're going to have to cut me off. I no. Oh, no, you can keep going. I'm good. Yeah, we, we got time. You're good. The oh, other thing, just consider us your audience. You're good. Okay. good. <laughs> the other thing that we're doing that I'm doing is our modules. People have been asking for self-contained Starfinder adventures for a long time. Like a, an adventure path is hard to commit to, right? Even a three volume adventure path, like against the Eon throne, which is really popular. Uh, so, uh, those that's, that's many months of play and a six month adventure path. You can, it could take you a year. To get through that thing a year and a half depending on how often you meet right it in other words it became pretty obvious to us we were making content faster than y'all could consume it <laughs> so so we we moved um we moved the adventure path to every other month and we're using those that extra time to do self-contained modules and the first one of those is junkers delight which is a first level adventure levels first to fourth set on Akaton. And you guys, uh, it's like a, a, like a junkyard exploration mission where you're helping like, you know, this, you, you got to fight some goblins and the Ikeshti and all this sort of Akaton stuff. And you're exploring this crashed starship, but there's all this other stuff going on at the same time. So it's sort of a, 
it's sort of a um you remember the beginning of the 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 beginning of episode seven of star wars right where like ray is on uh tatooine exploring all those giant crash super star destroyers yeah um she's not on tatooine but yes (laughs) what is she she's not um no uh jakku yeah you're right jakku thank you it's kind of like that right like you're sort of exploring these crashed wrecked starships and uh getting involved in all that stuff there's junk golems and junk magic and uh, Junko Mancer archetype and all kinds of crazy stuff going on in it. And then the second module is written by Chris Sims, who was my predecessor as a developer on Starfinder. Uh, and it's called The Liberation of Locust One. And it's more of a space station set adventure. It's kind of scratching my old keep on the borderlands, caves of chaos itch. If any of you are like old school D&Ders, right? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> keep on a adventure. Oh, I love Keep on the Borderlands. It's where one you've of my got absolute like, favorites. You've got this space station on the fringes of known space with a weird mystery and a bunch of like little side quests that players can explore mm. in any order that they want to. You're deep space nining it. Yeah, and and yeah, it's got. All, all, <laughs> but I'm going to say Babylon Five because I was an old Babylon Five. Nerd. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, um, speaking of Babylon 5, you can watch the entire series on HBO Max right now. Isn't We're it- not sponsored. Why would you do yeah, that? That's right. It, because it's exciting. That's why. <laughs> there, all right. Sorry. Go ahead, Jason. Well, anyway, so that, that's kind of like what we've got coming up. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm the sole developer for both of those modules. And so I got to really put a lot of time and energy into them. And they're really exciting because they're a way for a group of players that maybe want to try Starfinder out for a few a few sessions, right? But they don't want to commit to a big adventure path. And maybe they're not part of the Starfinder Society, so they don't know what organized play is. And they can they can do a self-contained story that lasts for maybe four or six game sessions. And they can get a satisfying ending out of it. And uh, and we can put in some cool new rules. And we can also really kind of do some teaching along the way. So like Junker's Delight, has got all kinds of GM assistance help, like little sidebars that help walk you through everything because it's designed for new GMs, right? It's a big onboarding adventure. So like, okay, so like a monster's got the confusion power. So like, how do you do confusion? Confusion is that pain in the ass effect, right? Or, or how do spell gems work? Or how do I level up? And all these sort of basic, how do traps work, right? So there's a bunch of kind of GM onboarding. In That's a great resource. I know a lot of people... I've heard several times from people. It's like, oh, I'd love to GM, but I don't know everything. This is mm-hmm. a perfect. It's a perfect adventure. <laughs> and then, and then, there's not even any Starship Combat in it because Starship Combat's all like a whole big subsystem. <laughs> that's that, that. That's a beast of a different color. So that's why we save that for the Liberation of Locust One. We're like, there's like this one big Starship Combat encounter that you can just spend all night on, just learning how to do Starship Combat, right? So anyway, that's that's the new stuff for Starfighter. That I'm awesome. With. That's awesome. Now, I will say we've spent a lot of time over the last six months behind the curtain with Eric Mona and the creative director, Rob McCreary, and all the people in the Starfinder team trying to figure out what's the new big thing for Starfinder. Like, what next year are we going to do? And we have some answers. I can't talk about any of them, but I can say <laughs> that you are going to really love it. Like, we have some really exciting stuff, that, stuff that, Pap, that Paizo, as a company, has never done before. We're gonna- Ooh. I know. Ooh. Gave me goosebumps. Really, yeah, really Brian fun. just got chills. Yeah. <laughs> so, so keep, keep, stay tuned. Cause I think you're going to be, I think you're going to like it. I am really excited about that. 
I am really Watch next week. About that. Next week, Brian's going to get a message from from uh, Jason going, "Hey, about that episode, I'm going to need you to take it down." I said something. Like <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything. I didn't We're going to have to put some beeps he, in some places. He didn't share anything. I didn't know already, so I think we're okay. Uh, I so um, that is time for topic. Oh no! What? So we have to move on. No, I'm not done. Let it go. Okay. Why aren't you done, Erica? Why aren't you done? Tell us more cool stuff. <laughs> Jake, we will have an opportunity to hear more cool stuff from Jason. That's actually part of the reason why I'm calling time as early as I am. Um, Fine. So Wait, you, mean is, you don't want this to be a three-hour episode? Come on, let's go on. It is time for Tales from the extra-dimensional portal, 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 where we use our actual technology, our actual science fiction technology that actually works, that we actually have. <laughs> Did you charge and the batteries this time or no? I have, and I actually have a place to go. I have a guest on the line to interview. Um, so we're going to be tuning in to the world of Galorian. Um, I have the signal to just outside the city of Absalom, the city at the center of the world, the inner sea. And we are going to be on the air with Noir's spirit skin, the operator of the Torian embassy. Noir is actually pretty interesting. He is the Minotaur prince of Absalom. He's smaller than most um, Minotaurs. He's albino. And um, we're going to interview him. So I'm going to... Um, Hit the button here, and as soon as I hit the button, we're going to be connected with Noir, and all you guys can ask him questions. Um, we will start with um, with um, Jason. I'm going to connect to Noir, and you can ask him a question. Okay. Right now. Noir, are you there? No. <laughs> okay, so Noir, we put you in Starfinder. We have a monster species called the Noirs in Starfinder, and they're white minotaurs except they have four horns and i just want to know i just would like your move approval like do you like them or do you not like them because if you don't like them we can change them no. <laughs> i'm gonna take that as a yes <laughs> you are, do, do, do you have four horns as well no. oh okay do you want two more no. <laughs> like a cyber horn implant we've got those yeah you can get you can get little extra ones <laughs> How do you feel about your position there? Do you feel like you're, you know, you're really able to make some changes? <laughs> oh. Am I the only one the translator is not working for? All the <laughs> I mean, clearly. I, I mean, I can't really hear him either. I'm sorry. Our translators must be broken. I told Brian to charge the batteries. I'm hearing it loud and clear, guys. I don't know. Yeah, me too. Mm, sounds fine to me. Oh, wait. Wait, I think I found the button. Okay. Let, let me see. Let me test it. Um, If you are having a good day today, can you hold up three fingers? <laughs> th th that's a hoof, not, not Six, fingers. Only patients can see the answer. That's the trick. I, I think, you know, if you guys are having problems with the, um, the, um, the translator, let me try something here. I've put in a code, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead and, um, ask him something else. Um, well, yeah, David or okay. Anthony, that's you. I, I can hear him just fine. 
Oh, okay. Um, um, uh, how, how are things at the Grand Lodge going? Soy un hombre vaca. I I'm I'm not hearing I'm not hearing it translated correctly anymore. Wrong, wrong yeah, code. Me either. Uh-oh. That doesn't sound right. I think you hit Uh-oh. the SAP button, Brian. Hombre vaca soy. No, that's not it either. Maybe there's some sort of time dilation thing. Right? I... Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Why don't you adjust the adjust that? Okay, hold on. Hold on. Let me see if I can oh. find the manual here. Hold on. Oh, we lost him. <laughs> we talk to the weirdest things i swear (laughs) i know it's you know it's like when we were talking to that dog that one time i mean erica didn't have any trouble understanding him but everybody else was just hearing wolfing sounds mouse was great he was great to talk to look look brian seriously we need you to actually charge the batteries don't just say the translator is working fine i don't know why you guys can't hear him this time (sighs) i don't know either it's Uh, David, you you do know even if he charges the batteries, if you don't plug the red wire into the black hole, it doesn't work. Um, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought I thought you put the blue wire in the black hole and the red wire in the green hole. (laughs) The the red 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 one, right? The black hole. The red one, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, but okay, but where's the purple toggle go? The purple toggle goes on the very bottom. There's a little niche that... And that is it for time for Tales from the (laughs) Extra Dimensional Portal. The the red wire, right? (laughs) The red wire, that's right. Uh, Jason, um, we are up to the point where you can talk about anything you want. Um, I want to see what you pulled out. You're like getting books. I am. Well, so the noir... I believe Owen. Steve- I have. I actually have a boon to play Noir in uh, Starfinder Society. Yeah. Oh yeah, you got oh, nice. that right. Yeah, I remember now, you. The um, thing is, is that, that I didn't know what that monster was based on until this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not know that that monster was based on this guy. There is oh, an absolute funny. reason why I picked him. Ah, <laughs> I you know I I did some research when you yeah Brian does his homework and yeah I I think that Owen it Stevens wasn't was... completely coincidental. <laughs> Owen Stevens created the new R. Um, you know Owen, of course, he was a developer. He was lead developer, I think. I have to get this right now because he might have been a designer. I think he was he was the head of the Starfinder team. Um. Uh, of the creative side of the Starfinder team underneath. Well, I'm, I'm getting, I'm seeing all these things, which are all well, wrong. when he hears this and angry emails, us, we'll forward it to you. I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting it. Cause I'm forgetting Rob McCreary, <laughs> who was created director. So anyway, oh, and I believe your title was senior designer or senior developer. Anyway, regardless, he was, um, he was helped to create Starfinder and, uh, and he knew all that Pathfinder lore. And I believe he put the noir in the first Alien Archive book. And, uh, and I remember him talking about it in the office one day. And he clearly was talking to somebody who was like, oh, yeah, like noir is in there. Like he, he was talking about like the, the he was reassuring the reader, the fan that noir was in the book. He was properly represented. Oh, that's cool. And, and I was like, OK, whatever, whoever that is. Noir is actually pretty cool because he he rescued lord gear of absalom and that's how he became the ambassador to the torians 
I gotcha. Yeah, and he's albino and he's small. He's he's um, like uh, medium sized rather than large. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. He's an interesting character. He's one of. He, I, I think when I first got into Pathfinder, he was one of the first NPCs that really caught my eye because he's in the the Absalom guide back when Pathfinder was three point five. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's been around for a while. There's a there's a noir bad guy in the first volume of Fly Fear Die. Ooh. Oh, second volume. Second volume. He's an assassin. He's like a bounty hunter guy. He gets hired by your corporate bosses to come track you down. And he's all decked out with necrographs, right? So he's like an undead. Ooh. Yeah. Where's the beef? I've, the I've already experienced the war the space walruses that worship Zonkathon. Yeah. Well <laughs> I I Zonkathon? there was there were gonna be some space walruses. What's their what's their species name? I've suddenly forgotten. Anyway. I can't think of what they're called. Yeah, I, I can't I've, I've Kate Baker who created them is crying in anguish right now because I can't remember the name of them. But oh, they we were, were we were, were having so much fun playing that scenario with the space warruses because every yes. time anybody did anything, whether it was positive or negative, they would just be like, oh, oh yes, that's great. <laughs> they were in Fly For Your Die. I, and and Rob, Rob was like, okay, you're allowed one space walrus because he you know, he's famously did not like the Morlamaw. Morlamaw, that's it. Yes, Morlamaw. Okay, so Brian, you said something about space horses, right? Space, space walrus. Walruses. walrus well you know oh i thought i heard him say horse i heard the walrus part but i thought i heard him say horse but it reminded me of your uh war horse story and i was like you should tell him the war horse story no we'll, we'll save that for the <laughs> bonus, bonus episode because we're gonna give we're gonna give jason a chance to promote anything he wants to well i've already mostly talked about a lot of stuff that okay. I've, I've been doing but i i will say um you mentioned fate once before um i i did a modern day King Arthur role-playing game using fate called Arthur lives, which is about Arthurian reincarnations in the present. Ooh, interesting. Wow, that's uh, pretty cool. And I, and I, I put my heart and soul into that game. I love it. It's uh, we published it through fainting goat. Um, Mike Lafferty's amazing, wonderful, um, small press. Um, I'm working right. I mean, most of all the stuff that I'm really excited about, I, I, I told you about already. Um, I've got a, Another Starfinder adventure. I've written, I just finished my third Starfinder adventure as a writer. Um, the first one was Dawn of Flame, which was Starfinder Adventure Path 18. It was the sixth part of Dawn of Flame. My mind, mine was um, Attack on the Assault on the Crucible, the sixth chapter of Dawn of Flame. And then I wrote um, the third volume, I think, of The Threefold Conspiracy, or the fourth one. Uh, and then I'm just wrote, and I just finished writing the fourth volume of Horizons of the Vast. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, and I got to do a swarm adventure for that. Uh, what's it? What's it like writing for a sandbox? So, I'm gonna rewind a little bit to a very interesting moment earlier on in the show, and you were talking about how, as when you were talking about Brian about your experience as a GM, and you were like, sometimes I want to run a published adventure, sometimes I want a sandbox. That comment very clearly notes that published adventures are almost never actually sandboxes, right? Yeah. You have to do it's a sandbox. You, and, and that's not because we don't try to make them sandboxy, but there's not the room to do a big sandbox in an adventure. We can't predict out every possible thing your group is going to do. We can't. And also, 
we can't predict every possible thing our group has. <laughs> no. and, and in many ways, you're paying. A lot of customers feel like if they buy a 64-page Starfinder adventure, they want to use every single page. Like if there's a if there's a four-page section or an eight-page section that's like if the players go here, this happens, and the players never go there, then the GM who buys that book feels like he got ripped off for eight pages. Oh, it's kind of like the problem with um with a, a descent into Avernus on a on yeah. a D and D five edition. Yeah, you almost unanimously nobody seems to like the Baldur's Gate part. Everyone just wants to skip straight to the Avernus part. Yeah, but yeah. but I think a lot of people are in that mindset of like, well, yeah, but I got the book, so I I yeah. think we have to do the Baldur's Gate part, and then but like nobody wants to do that. So yeah. it's kind of like, well, why don't you just start everybody at level five and just skip to the part everyone wants to do? Right, right. right. Well, anyway, so. Horizons of the Vast is a sandbox in some ways, but in other ways, it's got a story and a plot just like you would expect when you buy an adventure path, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I think we, we've talked about this a lot because I want to have some sandbox elements of Flat for Your Die too, because the players are supposed to be in charge of their own ship. Like, that's the whole point is that the players get to make decisions and decide where they want to go and what they want to do, right? And so, that's are they going to fly free? And, or die, right? Like that's the whole point of the show. Mm -hmm. But we can't write that adventure. We can't. You're, if if you try to do a sandbox story in Starfinder, well, literally any planet in the galaxy is one drift jump away, right? And the players can just say, "I want to go to X planet," and the GM's like, "I got nothing on X planet, right?" But that's where right. they want to go. And so they and it takes them. Yeah, it takes them five weeks to get there because X planet is in the vast. But at the table, that's two minutes, right? Like, like if you're lucky, they get up and get a soda. And you have until they come and sit back down at the table to think of something, <laughs> right? So we're trying to help that, but not in the Adventure Pass. We've got a book coming out called the Galaxy Exploration Manual, which we've already announced, so I can talk about it. And the Galaxy Exploration Manual is for GMs, but it's also got a bunch of player content in there, too. And it does, like, so it talks about, like, how to do the sandbox campaigns and missions of explore, adventures of exploration, traveling to other worlds and stuff, right? So it's got chapters in all the different kinds of biomes, like desert, jungle, high magic, low magic, um, high technology, low technology, and, and ways for you to, for players to interact with those settings. But then there's a whole chapter on game mastering that's specifically aimed at sandbox campaigns. Oh, that's cool. And, and I got to write that chapter. And and I, I really, like, too proud of that chapter <laughs> but, cool. but i went back to if you if you remember in the old dungeon and dragon magazine days there was this ongoing article by ray winninger who's now running DD &D, called dungeon craft and it was about how to create your own DD &D setting and it was all about like basically the art of being a dm and he went through the whole stage of creating a whole fantasy setting and then when he finished he started all over again and made a whole second one and he just and he walked through the whole thing well, I took Ray Winninger's Dungeon Craft articles and I updated them for Starfinder in the 21st century. And, and that was kind of my inspiration. And we just walk you through the process of creating a whole sandbox setting in the chapter. So I think we called the Altair system. That's and awesome. Like, like, okay, so let's, let's make it up. Like, okay, the players are coming to this system. Where are the adventures sites? How do the players find out about them? And then like, how do you as a GM guide the players in a way that doesn't drive you crazy. Like, how do you like give them a limited number of options instead of a hundred options, right? Like, okay, you 
find this planet and there's like three or four different ruined sites on it, right? Okay, well now the players have three or four choices and they can pick one and you can prep that one between now and next week, right? Or now and next session. Mm -hmm. And then there at that, at that location, they find out that there's something on these other planets. Well, now you've got three or four more choices to pick from, right? And so each adventure site that you go to kind of unlocks other options, right? And you sort of gate them right behind behind other locations mm -hmm. and all of this is about keeping the players from being overwhelmed by too many choices while also giving the gm a fairly small number of choices that they can prep for in the limited amount of time that we actually have because we're human beings mm -hmm. right a better a, a great way of doing that i found as well yeah. is when they get a little too far afield just yeah. murder them all they'll eventually stop doing it <laughs> 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 the success you heard it here they'll first. eventually stop doing it i you know i ran into a, a situation like that in kingmaker because it's like hey let's check this out hey let's check this out hey let's check troll <laughs> exactly. At one point, you run into a D6 of trolls. Now, see, that's a that, that's actually a fair way to do it, as long as it, in my opinion, as long as it's signposted. In other words, that the players are like, okay, well, we're going to go explore this planet. Okay, you've all heard this planet is like really deadly. Like everybody that goes to this planet never comes back. And there's people standing around in their spaceships around this planet saying, "Don't come here." That's you, the GM, telling the players this is above your level. Right, this is beyond your pay grade. And if the players go there anyway, it's not your fault. You've washed your hands of it. And if they I, all die, like don't say it and warn you. I, I told you I'd shoot. Why didn't you believe right. me? <laughs> um, but but in an adventure path, we can't do that, right? Like when people are playing an adventure path, there's a certain expectation that every encounter they're going to have is within that limited level band that you expect to have in a D20 game. And we could talk for a long time about whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. And at your table, you can do that. You can just throw a, a die, one die six trolls at the group, and they're like, okay, we're running. But the if smart I, ones. If I put that the, in the smart ones, yeah. Yeah, but I can't do that in an adventure path. If I put in an encounter that would just kill everybody, well, I'd be burned by it by fans for years. Like, I'd never live it down, right? Fans would be like, they, there's this adventure, there's this encounter in here with one day six trolls, and it kills everybody. And I'd be like, well, yeah. And they're like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> so. well, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I'm an old school GM. I'd leave it in there. No, you got to figure out a way around it. Yeah, because that's our job. See, when, as, a, as a GM, I like yeah. to take adventure paths, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. one I'm doing right now. Sure. And I like to look through it and, and you know, I change stuff, things I don't like, yeah, things that I don't think make sense or, yeah. you know, and I go, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to go off this way yeah, or, yeah, you know, and, and give them different paths and different things, which is and why you, they're currently stuck in the Fey realm. Individual players, right. And you can take out that NPC that in the adventure path is just an NPC and you can replace it with a character that's drawn from, you know, David's background or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and now it's like super cool and personalized. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, I, I've I've always pictured published adventures and stuff as guidelines to be followed yeah. and augmented as needed. They're more like guidelines. Than exactly. They are more like guidelines. <laughs> what was a good example of this? A great example of this? This was a story I read online a while back. It's like one of those like D&D stories that you yeah. know, people will tell about like their games. And this person was talking about how they were DMing a game. And the the party 
um, outside of the game, they're like really like super liberal people. And they found out like that the society that they were going to be working for was, was a monarch. So they're like, we must, we must fight against the monarchy, blah, 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 blah. And, and they're actually supposed to be fighting this like lich who's starting a giant undead army, but they got sidetracked and decided that they're going to spend all their time trying to start a revolution against the monarchy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so they spent all this time doing all this. And he's like, cool. You guys finally got rid of the monarchy, established liberal democracy. And now the list comes with the army and you all die. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Ah, the perils of the Here ticking clock. One goal. <laughs> <laughs> the perils of a ticking clock. I know. I, I will say that Keeley, um, because he's been the lead developer on Horizons of the Vast, and there are some sandbox elements in it, specifically like where do the players build their city, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And they can do that wherever they want in the part of the land that they've been allocated. So you've got this big piece of the planet, and this you're developing it, and you can develop it however you want. We've got a whole subsystem for doing this sort of kingdom management, which, which we don't call kingdom management for obvious reasons, but it's... Char- charter right, like markets. like colony management or something. Yeah, yeah we we call them charters because we don't want to use colony, okay. right? Right. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. very loaded term. Yeah, yeah. Even though, like, when you build a Mars colony, it's clearly a like that's the word that you call it, right? But we we didn't want to get into that. We had a, we had a long conversation about this exact topic. Like, what are we going to call it? Because we can't call it a colony. And some of us were like, but that's what it is. It's a moon colony. It's a Mars colony. The word is colony. And the rest of us are like, yeah, but you still can't call it that because you'll get burned on Twitter for years. Right. So, right. I mean, so we, good we point. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, my point was, was that there are some sandbox elements to it. And Keeley has been tearing his hair out over them because we don't know what the players are going to do. So we don't know where they built their city. So when we say something like there's an encounter that happens, we're like, well, what if they've already built their city there? Or what if it's too close to their city? And so it doesn't make any sense. And so there's a lot of like, oh, I kind of wish we hadn't made this a sandbox, but, mm. um, but that's the but, point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's our problem and we'll fix it. Uh, but you guys are, but what you're talking about exactly right. Like every game becomes a sandbox once it hits your table. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the players can go wherever they want and do whatever they want. Some player groups buy into the theme park nature of a, of an adventure path and they want to follow the plot because that's what they've signed up for. Other groups don't do that. Both ways are totally valid to play and everywhere in between, but we have to write the story. And then we let the players follow it or not follow it as they want. I never follow the path. <laughs> Both as a player and a GM. We played um, uh, Ravenloft, the new Ravenloft for 5th edition. Yeah. And and the GM that was running it for us, Brent, uh, was running it for two other groups. And the other groups went through and, and they played it like they, they should, right? Yeah. You know, they're trying to overthrow. and And we were like, no, why don't we just like work for him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we ended up working for for Strahd, and then at the very oh end, my gosh, we're powerful so enough cool. to then overthrow him, and now we rule Ravenloft. Well, I like this idea. Your favorite character is a lawful evil monk shadow dancer. So this does not surprise me. I mean, yeah, I mean, it tells you a lot about the person. Now, but I. I confess, though, that I, I, that's not my kind of game. I mean, 
God bless you, right? For, for <laughs> you, you do what you enjoy. But I, I don't like, I don't like characters like evil groups of evil characters. That's not my thing. And and Starfinder and Pathfinder, we we, uh, it's possible to do. But if you, it's very obvious from our current, our recent adventures that we don't write for that group, right? We write for groups that are basically heroic. Well, I think most, I think most. My character in that game was not evil. She was. Oh, that's funny. But all I'm, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Well, you did, you did work for the big bad guy. Yeah, they paid more. That's what neutral does. There's, you know, there's some fun. I mean, I like the the evil Cheliax adventure path that was done a while back. Right. I mean, I thought that was done really well. I, I, I like that it had lots of sidebars on how to run a fun evil game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one thing I've I've always thought. I ran I ran a I ran an evil game a while back that um, it had. A basically a set contract that anyone was going to play. You had to follow those rules. Yeah. Where thematically the story would be about evil characters doing a thing, yeah. but there wouldn't be any of that stuff that's no fun. Right. Right. Because right. Well, you end up having a lot of that, and then there wouldn't be. And we played with um, the X rule, where you have yeah. a card with an axe and you X put card. it on the table. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The that's that gets a whole sidebar in. Pathfinder Second Edition Core Rulebook. Yeah. It does, yeah. yeah. I uh, had a bad time playing. I ran an evil campaign in the Underdark, and I've played evil. I've never, I've never gotten into that thing. But I guess you can. It depends on the type of character you play. Like I'm more of like the lawful evil or true neutral kind of thing. You but do work with you, lawyers. Makes sense. I do work with lawyers. <laughs> um, <laughs> all day long, every day. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, I can see where, like, when people want to be, like, chaotic evil or or just evil for the hell of it, you know. Those, or- those orphanages aren't going to burn down on their own. Yeah, like, <laughs> I've never run into that personally, but I can see how you could, and that would not be a fun game. Like, yeah. what's the point if you yeah. destroy everything? Well, there's there's a certain... And, and, you know, we're sort of getting into territory where we start critiquing other people's games. And that, that's not a place to be. But <laughs> there are some people, there's a certain wish fulfillment aspect to our hobby, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And for some people, the wishes they want to fulfill are very unhealthy wishes. I always, and, I always say you learn a lot about your friends when you play D&D with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so they use that. They use that opportunity to do things that they can't do in real life because people would not like them if they did them, right? Well, yeah, that's a good point. And so that's the kind of so in Fight for Your Die in the player's guide for that, there's a whole bit there about playing evil characters because we don't want you to have to bunk in the starship next to a murderer, like you know, yeah. like that's that's not the kind of game this is. Um, and I guess I should wrap up there because I think we're close to the end. No. <laughs> Someone was paying attention to the chat. (laughs) (laughs) So it was fabulous having you on, Jason. Yeah, Um, we're we're going to talk to you more in our bonus episode that you can you can go to patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio and check that out. Um, Our video of this conversation is also going to be on our Patreon for our five dollar patrons. And um, it was fun talking about all over the place when it comes to tabletop role-playing game and Pathfinder and Starfinder. Um, and thank you very much for being here. Um, 
This has been Nerd Podcast Radio. I've been Super Vegan Brian. I was joined by David. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting, but he did. He stopped. So toothpick. There it is. <laughs> Curse, Smurferka. Bye, guys. Hand you, Anthony. Sayonara. And our very special guest, Jason Trondo. Oh, uh, Tondro. Sorry. Oh. You wow. went the whole episode and yeah, flubbed it there. I, I always do flub it at the last end. It was a sincere pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it was a lot of fun to have you here. You brought a lot to the stage. Thank you very much. This has been Nerd Podcast Radio. Stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Stay awesome. 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 Dwar, say goodbye. Brian, cut him off. Mo-